us pray. Lord, we have so many blessings. We've been uh, showered with your gifts. Lord, we, uh, we have more mercy than we can understand. We have more grace uh, than we are able to comprehend. We've been showered with more love uh, than we're able to grasp. We've been given more forgiveness than we can ever come to understand. Lord, you've given us to each other to bless each other. You've given us the body of Christ. You've given us gifts to use in your kingdom. You are building uh, your world and redeeming it here in this place while at the same time we have hope of a perfect world that is being redeemed, that we will get to spend eternity with you. We have so many things to be thankful for. Lord, we, uh, we ask in particular during this time that, um, that you be with those in the kingdom of God that are hurting. Uh, Lord, we're very mindful this morning of uh, College Street Church of Christ injunction, the loss of their preacher, Bryce. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would bless his family, Stephanie, and the five children that they have, and the Lord, that you would comfort them and that you would heal their hearts and that you would give them peace during this time. Lord, we ask your protection over that church, and we ask that you would bless them as they try and heal uh, from losing their preacher and someone that they loved so dearly. Lord, we uh, ask that your Holy Spirit uh, heal their souls, their hearts, and their minds in the way that only you can. Lord, we ask that you bless us this morning as we continue on with our study. And Lord, I ask that you would give me the gift of preaching this morning, that you would say the words that you need to say through me, uh, through the imperfect plans that have been made here uh, and the imperfect uh, notes that I have made, that instead what happens is your Holy Spirit guides the words that you want said directly into the hearts of men and women. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your grace. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, um, we have been in a series, if you are new to us or if you're a guest here, we, we've been spending some time on visioning our church and seeking his way. And the way that we're doing that is we're asking. Right now we're asking and we're listening. We're trying to figure out what God has to say to us. And we think one of the major ways that God talks to us is through his Holy Spirit. And so we've been spending some time on that. And I've heard from several of you to go, you know, I'm, I'm thankful we're doing this. Uh, I don't know that I've ever heard a series, sermon series on the Holy Spirit uh, growing up. And I, I got to tell you, I was one that way. I didn't hear a series on the Holy Spirit growing up. Uh, that was not something that we talked about a lot. Um, but I'm thankful that we are right now. And today, if you want to turn over your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12 because we're going to get into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And yeah, I know you're sitting there going, really? You're going there? Yeah, we're going to go there. I know. It's, it's, it's kind of different. This is the part where we really start getting into what the Holy Spirit will do. And I know that there's a lot of us that come from different backgrounds. And so we all may have more baggage than a Southwest flight here, right? That we carry into this. But I'd like for you to kind of set that down for just a little bit. And let's uh, take maybe a fresh and a new look at this and this scripture and the way that God works, I ask you to kind of think of this more like a spirit flight where you don't get to take any baggage with you. There is none. So lay all that down and then let's talk about what God has got for us when it comes to uh, the gifts of the spirit. Some of y'all have even been asking, so are you ever going to talk about this? And I was like, yeah, I'll talk about these things. And I can even see some of you leaning forward right now, waiting to see what's going to happen with this. So let's, let's wait into this, pull your britches up and here we go. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 11. There are different kinds of gifts, 
but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. That's the word of the Lord. Uh, as we talk about this, and, and uh, as I've heard and, and spoken to many of you going, man, we've never gone here before. These are some places that we haven't talked about. We haven't talked about the Holy Spirit. I just want to remind you again, some of the reasons that I think we do this is because we feel real comfortable with the role and our relationship with God the Father. And we feel real comfortable and we feel real clear on the role of Jesus the Son. But then when it comes to the role of the Holy Spirit and the way that he interacts with us, sometimes what we do is we start feeling a little more uneasy. And I, I'll tell you, I think a lot of it may be because we get the idea and we kind of have in our head that, that I can read the scriptures and I can look and go, so God did this. He created and he loved and he set the world in motion. That's what God did. And then Jesus came and he lived in the flesh and he showed us what it means and he was the lamb and that's what he did. But then when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's what he does. It's what he does. We've kind of put this to where God did this, Jesus did this, but the Holy Spirit does. And when the Holy Spirit does, that starts making me a little more uncomfortable. Because I'm not able to put that in the box that I have. And let me start by just reminding you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're all God. Okay, that's our God. They are all alive. They are all active. They are all working. That's the God that we have. They are all alive and working. But we like concrete. We like lines. In particular, our fellowship, if you have grown up with us in the churches of Christ, one of the things we like is we like lines, we like lists, we like numbers, and we like to set this down. Right? One of the things that, if you've grown up with us, one of the things that you'd hear is we like to go, uh, there's 66 books of the Bible, and we're going to lock into that. And I don't know if you were ever part of the 66 Club. Is there anybody else in here part of the 66 Club? I don't know if y'all did that. You didn't know that? Oh, that, there was somebody. Okay. Well, if you were part of the 66 Club, that was when you learned all 66 books of the Bible, and you could recite them as a kid, and they would give you a sticker, or they didn't give you a little medal. It was church bling that you had early on, because it was a medal that said that you knew all the 66 books of the Bible, and we like that. And then when you started to learn that there's five acts of worship, these are the five things, these acts of worship, and there is no other, and not only that, you don't combine them in any way. There are five steps to salvation. You hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized, and then we tried to add on another one to go, but then you have to be faithful, but we didn't know if we wanted to devote that sixth one in or if it needed to stay out. And so it's kind of hanging out there. We like concrete. We like being able to look at things and go, this is the way they are. Heaven, good. Hell, bad. God, good. Satan, bad. Lines. And this is the way that we tend to look at things. But the fact is, when you start getting into the Holy Spirit, and we want to start talking about what he can do and what he can't do, it starts getting a little more difficult. Because he's active and he's still working today. 
Again, I think it's really important for us to remember Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all God. All of them. And the Holy Spirit is not like a substitute after Jesus left. He's not the babysitter. He's not a lesser part of God. He is God. It is the Spirit of God. And so when we start talking about what the Holy Spirit can do and not do, and a lot of times that's where we want to start going with this, what can he do and not do? I want you to understand it is a very precarious place to be deciding and for anyone, including me, to be standing up here and going, here's what God can do and here's what God can't do. And here's what he doesn't do anymore. And here's what he does. And I want you to know that has not worked out well for people in the past to be able to say this is the limits of how God can interact and how he can't. So if you're looking for me today to go through this and this line of lists of gifts of the Holy Spirit and draw out lines for you of what he can do and what he can't do, you're going to be sorely disappointed. That's not what I'm doing today. And I want you to know our elders don't put themselves in that place either to go, here's what the Holy Spirit can and here's what the Holy Spirit can't do. They're not in that spot anymore. And here's the nice thing. Nowhere in Scripture does it ever ask for anybody to police what the Holy Spirit can do. Amen. Isn't that great? Amen. I don't have that responsibility. They don't have that responsibility. And guess what? Neither do you. So that is not where we're going to go today. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to look at this and see if maybe we haven't been asking the right questions about this. Maybe there's something different that we can learn here and if we look at this in a different way. So I would like to start, though. Typically, this is the way we go with this. Since we like lines and since we like putting the Holy Spirit with the Father and the Son into these roles that they have, we seem to want to ask these questions. And I'm not sure they're the right questions, but this is typically where we tend to go. We want the what, when, who, and why when it comes to the Holy Spirit. You know, tell me, what gifts does he distribute and which ones does he not? When does he do this? And when did he stop doing this? Or did he stop doing this? Who? Who specifically does he give these gifts to? And who does he not give these gifts to? And then why does he do this? For the sake of spreading the gospel, for the building up of the church, why does he do it? These are the questions that we tend to lock into. And the church can get fixated on these things to go, give me the answers to this, and let's draw these lines so we know exactly where we stand with the Holy Spirit. And again, I'll tell you, I'm not going to do that. But we do need to look at these and why we're so fascinating with these ideas because the fact is we have drawn some lines. Sometimes as a fellowship and sometimes as individual people, and I will tell you one of the things I know for certain with our different backgrounds is there is a lot of perspectives right here on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, your experiences with them, what you've seen in the past, what you think he can do. But with that, sometimes what happens is we get locked into a comfortable place with the Holy Spirit from our past. For instance, that what, when we get into that, it's, it's usually not that simple, and it probably shouldn't be. But the what, what gifts does he distribute? So we look at that list that I just read up there in 1 Corinthians 12, but you need to know that was never meant to be an exhaustive list. In other words, to go, this is what the Holy Spirit does and nothing else. As a matter of fact, there are other places in Scripture that talk about them. Put that slide up there if you would like to take notes and you want to put this down. There's the other one. Besides 1 Corinthians 12, we have Ephesians 4, where it talks about some of the different roles, and it adds in that there's apostles, and there's evangelists, and there's pastors, and there's teachers. That's some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit as well. And then when you go to Romans 12, it mentions some of the same ones, like prophesying that was mentioned before, but it also adds serving and teaching and encouraging and giving. 
And that's one that you might want to look at. And then if you go all the way back to Isaiah 11 in the Old Testament, a thousand years before the arrival of Jesus Christ, there's this promise of the Spirit of God that would come and what he'll do. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah 11, 2 and 3, this is what it says. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots. Just so you know, Jesse's the father of David. And David was the original king that, that we said our Savior will come and he'll be like David. So out of the stump of Jesse, from the roots, a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of might. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. This is the promise of what the Spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit, is going to do. And these are other gifts that he gives. So with all of this, you need to know, even if you add all four of those up, that is not an exhaustive list of what the Holy Spirit can do. And sometimes what we want to do is go, that's fine, let's put all four lists together, and then let's combine them, and let's say which ones are which, and we'll make a super list out of this. And then from that super list, we'll go, and this is all the Holy Spirit can do. Anything outside of this, he cannot do. And some of them, even within that, he doesn't do anymore. And so we start trying to draw these lines so that we're able to comprehend and we're able to get and we're able to understand. But I'll tell you, when it starts getting to what are the gifts that the Holy Spirit can give, it's not that simple. And it probably shouldn't be because he's God. Amen. So it probably shouldn't be. Then we get to the when. When did he give these gifts? When did these gifts stop? How does all of this work? So this idea of when, if you've come from our background, our tribe uh, in these ways, one of the things that you'll understand is we come from a teaching that's called cessationist. That's hard for me to say, so I would like just to take a moment and go, I got that right. That's all right. <laughs> cessationist. And that's the idea that what happened was these gifts of the Holy Spirit were given to the apostles, but only to the apostles and the people that encountered the living God, and then they stopped with their death. And so after that, there are no more gifts of the Holy Spirit, except we usually go, but not all of them. Some of them stopped, and some of them continued on. Like not wisdom, that didn't stop, and not teaching, but the cool ones, right? The miraculous ones. So those all stopped at that time. Here's the problem, though. I've heard you pray. I've heard you talk to God and for what you ask for and the way you ask for it. And so I don't know that we really believe all of those things just stopped at the death of the apostles. And as a matter of fact, it's not that simple when we start trying to figure out when the Holy Spirit acts and when the Holy Spirit does not act. But we like to put those lines. I mean, even the idea of when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. If you were to ask people that come from our background, and from a lot of us, what we heard is to go, when do you get the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? And they'll go, well, at baptism. Because in Scripture it says you'd be baptized and you receive the Holy Spirit. Then you got to look at the story of Cornelius. Do you know the story of Cornelius who was a Gentile? And Peter came in, and Peter starts talking to them and saying, you know, let me tell you about the gospel. And then all of a sudden what happened was it says in Acts 10, the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on them, on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Well, then they were baptized. So we need to understand this idea where we look at this to go, here's how the Holy Spirit works, here's when he works, is we try to put this in this box. 
And you need to understand, it's not that simple. And it probably shouldn't be. Because he's God. And he can do what he wants. Then there's the who. And we really get into that. So who gets these, these gifts and who doesn't? And that's something that we can really spend a lot of time on. And that one's easy to answer because the ones who do are our charismatic friends down the street and then the Church of Christ and the Baptist people don't. That's what we know. <laughs> that's a joke, but it's really not. When we start talking about how this works, we really tend to get into this idea of, I would really like for you to draw lines on who gets these gifts and how they work. The problem is the way that we look at them and the gifts of the Holy Spirit that people can have, we look at them like a superpower. In other words, we take this, and in the way, like, you get Superman, and you go, he has the gift of flight. And then you have Aquaman. Now, Aquaman has the gift of breathing underwater. Superman can't breathe underwater, and Aquaman can't fly. And I know some of y'all are nerding out right now going, well, actually, Superman can bring it. We're not going to get into that, okay? We're not going to get into that right now. But the fact is, we start looking at that and going, what happens is the Lord bestows these superpowers on some people and then not other people. And once they have it, they have it for good. And it always works in every way and in every time. Superman can always fly. Aquaman can always breathe underwater. And then we start looking at this and going, so maybe there's super Christians, and then there's people who aren't super Christians. And the fact is, it doesn't work that way. It's not that simple. The idea that God would go, I'm going to give you some gifts to use, that doesn't mean they work all the time in every way, in every circumstances. As a matter of fact, I'd like to bring up to you that in Matthew 10, Jesus himself, also God, gives the gift to his disciples of the authority to cast out demons. He said, I'm giving you this. Now go out and do it. Well, seven chapters later, you find out the disciples go to this guy, and they're trying to cast the demon out, and they can't do it. It doesn't work. And as a matter of fact, the father comes and he says, what's the deal, Jesus? Why can't these guys cast these out? Did you not give them this authority? And they're going, we don't get it. It's not working. But if we look at this as going, well, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are something that you get. You can use them all the time in every way, in every circumstances, because that's who you are now. We're not understanding the way that this works. It's a little more complicated than that. It's not so simple as that. And it probably shouldn't be, because it's God. One of the things that I think is really important with us to understand is a lot of times what we look at is we go, some of these gifts people have, and then some of the gifts people don't have anymore. And just if you have them, you can use them all the time. Well, it, you know, we, we look at some of those and go, well, maybe the healing one is gone, but maybe not the one of wisdom. Well, I got to tell you, I know some people who've been given gifts of wisdom who've done some really stupid stuff. <laughs> right? Just because God gave you the gift of wisdom, and I've seen them use it in such ways to go, oh, man, people I know that I go, this guy's wise. He's wise in the way of God. He can still do dumb things. It doesn't mean that it's changed him into this superhero in some way. That is not the way the gifts of the Holy Spirit work with us. It's not that simple. And then you get into the why. Why does he give them? And we look at this and we go, well, it says through Scripture that it's to spread the gospel and it's to build up the church. And boy, do we really need that. We still do. Just like uh, 2,000 years ago, we still need that. But here's the thing is many churches have split over talking about this and how it works and whether or not it works this way or that way. So it hasn't always built them up. 
And the reason is, is it's just not that simple. And it probably shouldn't be, because it's God. And the fact that we can't understand exactly how God works through us all the time in every single way is not something we should be fearful of. We have a God you're not going to be able to understand. If I could understand everything about the way he works all the time, what kind of God is he? I'm not that bright a guy. I shouldn't be able to figure it all out all the time. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And he's going to work through us. But sometimes we get focused on maybe the wrong questions. Like, why is that sound coming through? <laughs> we can get stuck on those wrong questions, right? And even with that, you're looking, some of you are probably looking and going, okay, that's great and all when we start talking about this, but let's talk about the cool ones. Let's get to the miraculous gifts and let's get down to that one, right? Does he still do that or does he not? How much is our God still active? Is there miraculous things that still happen? Do they not happen? How much and when and through who and how does this happen? That's us trying to draw those lines again. How active is our God through us? And the first thing I want to do is to ask you, why are we asking that question? Is this out of our fear and our discomfort? of the way that that sometimes looks and the way that that operates with other people as well as with ourselves? Or is it because we desire to desperately be in step walking with and communing with the Holy Spirit? That's the questions that we ought to be asking. Do we really want to know the Holy Spirit more or are we just seeking to confirm what I've always believed? Because I've got him in this box and I really don't want you letting him out. So make sure that you affirm that what I've always believed is true. And I think what happens with this is this puts a focus on us instead of him. We start looking at what can I do and what can I not do and what can Art do and what can he not do and what can the guy down the street do and what can he not do. And that puts this overemphasis, this presence of certain gifts. And we overemphasize them or we underemphasize them. Let me tell you how that works. This is in our arrogance sometimes of what happens. The overemphasis of spiritual gifts is when you see some people that have said the presence of certain spiritual gifts is actually an indicator of who's in and out of the kingdom. If you can do this, you're in. If you can't, you're out. These gifts are bestowed upon all of them. This is a sign. And let me tell you, that's not a sign. That's an overemphasis on the gifts. It's an overemphasis on what we're receiving as opposed to actually the gift giver. That's not the way it should be. There's an arrogance in that. And as a matter of fact, if you look through Scripture, you don't ever see anyone really ever boasting about the gifts of the Holy Spirit that's given to them. They don't walk around going, hey, look at me. I can do this. This is what sets me apart. This is what makes me special. The only one you really see doing anything like that is when Paul goes, I am an apostle because I saw Jesus. And he says, so I, so I am an apostle. I qualify in that way. But nobody boasts about it. Nobody goes around saying, look at me. I'm who I'm supposed to be because I have this gift. And so we shouldn't be doing that either. It's not a way to justify ourselves or set ourselves apart. As a matter of fact, it is not what the Bible says is the evidence of the, the uh, Spirit of God. He says it's the fruit. It's love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faith. That will be there if you're walking with the Spirit. But when we uh, underemphasize this, then what happens is we go, well, these gifts that it talks about, none of those really matter, and they're all gone, and none of them happen at, at all anymore. And what that does is that takes the power away from our God, and especially in our mission and our part of it with him. Our God is still active and powerful and moving, Amen. 
And he uses us to do it. One of the biggest issues I think we've got in our world, and we talked about this last week, of people leaving the church and deciding that they don't want to be part of this is because we've neutered our God. We don't think he's active anymore. We don't say that there's actually power in what's happening here. We follow a God who's got power. Amen. The gospel has power. It changes lives. But instead, what happens sometimes is if we can't define it and we're unsure about the way it works, then it makes me nervous. Because if I have no experience with this, and especially as we start talking and going, the Holy Spirit active in your life, and I go, if I have no experience with this, with some of these, then they aren't real. And that makes me afraid. Because if they are real, and I haven't had any experience, then there's a few things. I'm afraid that I won't receive them. If there, is, if there are gifts of the Holy Spirit for him to put in us and for us to use, and I haven't been able to experience them, then my first reaction is to go, then what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Why don't I have this? Am I missing out? Is God not actually active in my life? And I would tell you, we're going to talk about this a little later, but sometimes it's because we haven't asked. We haven't asked for him to move in us. We haven't asked for him to give us these gifts. We haven't asked for him to move powerfully through us. But one of the other things that we can get afraid of is that if I haven't experienced this and I do ask for them, I'm afraid I'll get them, and then I won't know what to do. It's like the Lord's going to come in, and the Holy Spirit's going to take over me, and I'll be possessed, and I'm flopping on the floor. Let me tell you, that's not how the Holy Spirit works. Okay? The Holy Spirit does not possess you and cause you to do things that you have no control over. The Holy Spirit comes in and it has a goal to use you in the mission of reconciling this world. And it wants to use the gifts that you have and to amplify them and to give you more gifts so that you can glorify God and not yourself. And in both of these cases, you need to know that this obsession that we can have with who has these gifts and who does it, the problem is we focus on the gifts over the giver. And the fact is, this is a sermon series not about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want. Instead of wanting gifts or not wanting gifts, we want the Holy Spirit. We want the Spirit of God who is active and working. And we want him using us. This this case where we get too obsessed with the idea of the gifts of the Holy Spirit as opposed to the Holy Spirit himself because you have to understand that he says that he gives these so that the building up of the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the church happens. And when we get too fixated on the gifts, then it's like going to the wedding and being more obsessed with the wedding dress than it is with the bride. That's not right. It's the bride, right? The wedding dress is what adorns the bride. But it doesn't give value to the bride. And it's the same way. The value of the bride of Christ, which is what Jesus calls the church sometimes, is not just in how we're adorned with gifts or how we're not. It's in the fact that we belong to him. And here's one of the other things that can happen with this is we try and answer these questions about what the Holy Spirit can do and can't do in these gifts, and it's all based on our own experiences. It becomes very me-focused. It's according to my experiences, what I have had and what I ha haven't had. So if I were to ask a lot, of, a lot of us in these ways and to say, does the Holy Spirit still give these gifts and how do they work? Here's sometimes what we say. We look at those who say, yes, he does, and I've experienced them. And sometimes what happens is I look at them and go, your claim of experiencing them does not count as evidence that they exist. But on the other hand, we tend to look at that and then say, 
But my experience of not having them is evidence that they don't exist. And what this is all based on is my experiences. And then I'm the holder of truth. And I'm the holder of what God does. Neither one of those is the evidence of what God can do. The answer just can't be based on my experience or my lack of experience in how the Holy Spirit works. We can't go. It, has a, it doesn't exist because I haven't experienced it. Because I would have experienced it if it does exist. If the Holy Spirit works in this way, why have I not seen it? Why hasn't it happened in me? And I will tell you again, maybe it's because we don't ask. We don't ask. We need to be very careful about our disbelief of some things because of a lack of experience. Testimonies about experiences with God are the way God's kingdom has been shared and grown for a long time. And it's very common throughout Scripture for people to come and go, I have experienced the resurrected Christ, and for people to go, no, you didn't. That's the whole point, right? We had women who went to the tomb who came back and go, listen, Jesus is alive. How do you know? I experienced it. I saw it. And people went, we don't believe you. And then you had Paul who went, I've experienced the resurrected Christ. And you had people go, no, you haven't. And go, why not? Because I haven't seen it. And I don't believe you. Being, being in a position to tell somebody, the Holy Spirit does not act in you that way because it doesn't act in me in that way is a very dangerous place to be. You know this because in some ways, think about this, when you've talked to people who aren't believers and if you've tried to share and go, listen, I've met Jesus, I know he's real. When somebody asks you, how do you know he's real? I've met him, I know him. I've been given new life through him. He saved me, he's changed me. I was dead and now I'm alive. I was without hope and now I have hope. I was, I was uh, dead in my sin and he's washed away my sin and now I'm a new person. And they go, well, I've never experienced that. So it must not be true. In the same way, we can do that with our brothers and sisters in Christ who go, I want you to know I've experienced some things through the Holy Spirit. And we go, no, you haven't. It's a hurtful thing when we start drawing hard lines around what the Holy Spirit can do. And some of the things that happens with that is when somebody tries to share something that I haven't experienced, and my first reaction is to go, that's not possible because I haven't seen that. It shuts down talk about the Holy Spirit. It shuts it down, and we don't want to talk about it anymore. I got to tell you, one of the most interesting things about doing this series and talking to you guys about the Holy Spirit is the number of you who have come to me in private and said, you know, I've had some experiences with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's like a meeting at night with Nicodemus, right? You come in the dark so nobody sees and you come and you tell me, hey, listen, I've had some experiences with the Holy Spirit where he's guided me to do some things, where he's given me some words that I didn't think I was going to have. But I'm afraid to tell. I'm afraid to talk about it in the church. I'm afraid to tell other people because I'm afraid what will happen is they'll look at me and go, well, I haven't experienced that, so it's not true. What a damaging thing can happen with that. I, ha I have a theory about you and me. My theory is that there's a lot more of us that have had that than we think. But that what happens is we're afraid to mention it. I'd like for you to take a second, if you would, 
And I'd like for you to think as to whether or not any of these things have ever happened with you. If you've had an encounter with God that you cannot explain, whether it was your conversion itself, a drawing to God that you cannot explain, whether you have been healed of something, whether you've had an addiction, you've had a hurt, you've had a problem that the Lord has come in, into your life and changed, whether you found a peace that passes understanding, whether you've said a prayer and during that prayer you felt an overwhelming sense of comfort, the presence of God in a different way. Maybe you felt a calm or you felt some words come into your head that you hadn't thought of before. Whether you've experienced some words that you knew was God speaking through them because they could not have been yours, saying that you're going to be okay, that you're loved. Maybe you had those words given to you to say to somebody else, where you felt this overwhelming need, I need to go and tell my brother and sister in Christ this, these words of God. And I'm compelled to do that. Whether you've ever felt a direction, a draw to go this way or that way, this is what you should do, and you were so sure about it that you knew it was divine. Maybe a drawing to you to go and talk to somebody, to turn around and go pray with the guy on the corner, or to give him some money when he's holding up that sign, to give someone something in need. Maybe you've been in the spot where you see some hurt and you go, I have to help. I feel drawn to this. I feel like I need to go and I need to help this person. This was not on your own. Prayers that you've said for healing that defy modern medicine. Prayers that have been said for you that define modern medicine. I'd like to ask if you would, if you've ever experienced any of those things, can you just show me? Okay. You are not alone. You are not alone. I think this is the work of the accuser to come to us and go, if you've had an experience with the Holy Spirit, you keep it quiet. Don't you dare tell that God has guided you in some way. Don't you dare share with somebody else that he's actually given you words that you don't know where they came from. Or somebody spoke exactly the words that you needed to hear when you needed to hear them. And you don't understand, how could this person know that this was what I needed to know? This is the work of the Holy Spirit. He is active and he is alive. I don't know everything about how he works. There are some things I do know. He is alive. He is active. He is in the business of building up the church, and he has gifts to give us. So should we spend our time making a list of the gifts that he can and cannot give or the ones that we want, that we want and we do not want? What a waste. Should I not be asking and praying for whatever gifts of the Holy Spirit he has for me? Lord, give me all of them, whatever you want me to have. It's up to you. It's one of the things that it says about the Holy Spirit. He distributes them as he sees fit. It's not my job. He will do that. The difference is whether or not I'm willing to take whatever you've got for me. Here's one of the things that we need to remember with this. And I think this is really important to us. Everything the Holy Spirit does in us is miraculous and supernatural. Amen. We ask questions to say, does God still do miraculous and supernatural things? Does he still give the supernatural gifts and the miraculous gifts? They're all miraculous and supernatural. There is no interaction that you have with God that is not supernatural or miraculous. By definition, he called you to salvation through supernatural means, through a miraculous way. He used people to do that. 
He gave somebody the gift of speaking the gospel into your life, and it penetrated your heart, and you came to him. That's supernatural. He wants to help you understand what he has to say. And that understanding that comes through when you read Scripture over and over, and then all of a sudden you read it and you go, oh, this is what it means. That's supernatural. It's miraculous. He uses you to share the gospel with other people. When he uses you to do that, it's miraculous and it's supernatural. He washes our sin. He gives us new life. He heals us from sin, from addiction, from hopelessness. He answers our prayers. It's all supernatural. All of it's miraculous. That's all our God does is things we can't do. That's the whole point of this. And I've seen it, right? I've seen it with you. So uh, we had, just a while back, and if you're new to us, I'll give you a little. We have somebody who's a member of ours for a long time that works out at Arms of Hope, Anna. Right? Anna had this medical condition. She's dying. And us, we gather together, some of us who go, God doesn't do miraculous healing things anymore. And I heard you pray, God, heal her. What do you think you're asking for? Just through medicine, let them give the right dose, right? We guide the doctor's hands. No. Change the course of what is happening here through your power and might. Miraculous, right? And so we gathered together and we prayed and we went, God, heal her. And then he did. Beyond all odds, he did. Now, how ridiculous is it for us to sit here and go, Now, which one of y'all had the gift of healing when you prayed? Because we all prayed, but only some of us have this gift. You know, we prayed for a long time, and then then maybe Ken joined in. Maybe it was Ken who's responsible for this healing. Or those of y'all that actually have the gift of healing. Maybe it's not us at all. Maybe it's the power of God that happened in this. And what we did was we used what the Holy Spirit's given us through the avenue of prayer to go, God, heal her. It's ridiculous for us to try and think which one of us is responsible. We're not. But I will tell you, if during this time and during other times when you've prayed for people for healing, maybe you've gone to somebody in the hospital before and you've laid hands on them and you've prayed over them or someone else that you've loved and you come and you come to pray over them and you started feeling, I feel this life in me. Praying for this. There's this place where I start praying for people and when I start asking for God's healing over them and I feel that this gives me life, I feel the pleasure of God and what I'm doing. Maybe you have that gift. Maybe that is actually the gift. Is that you can't help yourself but go around now and pray for those that are ill. It's not in the outcome. It's not whether or not you have the power to make them be healed. It's whether or not you have the gift of going and praying for people to be healed. Maybe that's the gift. Maybe that's what we should be spending time on, is asking, God, give me people to pray over. Guide me to the ones who need this so that I can pray for your healing, and it will be your decision on whether or not this happens. There's a story about Jesus going back to his hometown, and he goes, and he couldn't heal anybody there, so he left. It's not that Jesus didn't have the power. It's that they wouldn't come. They wouldn't come to him. We need to be people who come to him. We need to be people who come to him on behalf of, behalf of others. I'll tell you another one. I don't know about you, but I have prayer warriors in my life. Do you have those folks? Do you have somebody that when you stop and think and go, 
if I were to get horribly ill, I know who I'm going to to pray for me. It's this person and this person and this person, right? Throughout your life. Why? Why would you go to them? And it's not because they have a supernatural ability to heal you. It's because they have this gift of going to the Father. They do it regularly. They feel life in it. They feel like God's called them to be a person who goes to God and who prays for healing for people. And I'll tell you, my people, I'll just be honest with you. I know a few people. I go to them because things happen when they pray. And it's not because I think they're awesome. It's because God's awesome. But man, they're willing to go. And they go ask. And they go ask. And they go ask. And they feel like they've been gifted with the opportunity to go and pray for them. Let me tell you another one I've seen. Prophesying, we take prophecy and we get that so mixed up. The idea of going, well, this is for you to tell the future of what's happening. No, it's not. Prophets in the Bible take the word of God and they share that with other people. That's what prophets do. I've seen it. It still happens. Now, it's not new revelation. You need to know. Nobody can come along and go, well, it wasn't Jesus' death on the cross. It was actually something. No, 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 no. There's no new revelation in how we are justified and how we're saved. But let me tell you, I'm sitting at church up in Austin one time, and I watch a lady come out of the worship center in tears, bawling. And she's had a hard life. And she comes out of there, and she's bawling. And I remember I'm walking over there, and this young lady named Sarah comes with me. And we intercept her and come out, and we go, what's wrong? And she goes, I just don't feel like I'm worthy for the love, I don't think God can forgive me. You don't understand what I've done. You don't understand what's happened to me. You don't understand how big my sins are, and I just don't think that God can save me from this. My sins are too big, and I just have a hard time believing it. And then I'm sitting next to this young lady named Sarah who rarely talks, and all of a sudden, words of God just start coming out of her mouth like this. It's not the way she normally talks, but it was Scripture This is the things that she all of a sudden started saying. She's sitting there and she goes, but you have to remember that Scripture says that he's taken your sin and he's put it beneath the ocean floor. And as far as from the east is from the west, that's what he's done. And it says that he remembers them no more. And he says, God says that there's no condemnation for those of you that are in Christ Jesus. And you've trusted Christ Jesus and that his mercies are new every morning. And that's what happens. And I'm watching this lady who's in tears and she's starting to melt with this while this young lady who doesn't talk like that started drawing from the scripture that she knew and put just the right words of God on this situation and said, but this is what God says. She she prophesied to her. It wasn't that she came up with something new. It was that she had this deep reservoir of what God says and pulling it out at just the right time to put it in just the right way to just the right person. We believe in that, don't we? You ever had anybody come say just the words that you needed to hear of God? Have you ever had the words of God put right on your heart to go, I have to go and share these with people? It would be ridiculous for us to sit and go, well, he doesn't do that, or he doesn't do it this way, or he doesn't do it that way. Instead, what we see is we've got a God who is working and is active. I don't think the right question is what does the Holy Spirit do and not do today? I cannot give you that answer not equipped to do that and I think it's real dangerous for us to get in that spot we need to be holding what the Holy Spirit God can and cannot do very very loosely in our hands 1 Corinthians 12 11, the one that we read earlier it says he gives the gifts as he wills and for as long as he wills and it's not as we want him to and it's not as we think he should 
or that we don't want him to. We're not in charge of that. I think it's probably breaks the heart of God for us to sit and fuss over what he can do and can't do while he's going, I have gifts to give you. I have gifts to give you and you're sitting here fussing about this. Because if he is, if the Holy Spirit is God, and if God is good, and if he invites us to join him in his mission, and he says that I've given you the Holy Spirit to empower you to do that, to redeem all things, then why are we not asking for everything that he wants to give us? I want it all. Don't you? If God's got stuff for me, I'll let him determine what it is. But don't we want it all? The right question should be, God, how can you use me? How can you use me to further your kingdom? Holy Spirit, what do you want me to have? And the fact is that no matter what you believe, there is gospel power in your words. And there is healing in your hands when you pray over people. And there is a supernatural love in you because of what Christ has done, not because of what you've done. There's a supernatural power in you. That's what the Holy Spirit is. So if you've been wanting me to give you rules around how the Holy Spirit works, what he does and what he doesn't, here's some rules. The Holy Spirit is part of a living, powerful, active God, and he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants to. He is not bound by our interpretation of the Bible. He is not bound by the Bible itself. That is the words of record of him. It does not dictate his movements. He can heal anyone he wants, raise anyone from the dead that he wants, get any person to speak in any language that he wants. And our biggest desire should be that we not only get to witness this, but he would use us in some way, in any way, for his mission in this world. It is not about the gifts. It's about the giver. And we should want all of the giver in our lives. Here's another thing to remember. Luke 10, 17 through 20, I want to show you. There's this time where the Lord sent them out with this power. And he says, I want you to go out and I want you to use this power for me. And they came back and they were excited about the miraculous things that they had seen. There's 72 disciples. And here's what they say in Luke 10, 17 through 20. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That is what we want to make sure we don't lose focus on. You should not rejoice or feel bad for the gifts that God has given you or the way he's worked in you or the ways that he has it. Instead, what you should do is rejoice in the fact that you belong to him. You rejoice in the fact that he has set you on a new plane. He has made you a new creation. You are brand new and you belong to him and you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you haven't ever asked, and it could be whatever, but I think there's this prayer of submission to go, God, you work in me any way you see fit. And then we can rejoice in the fact of however he's used us. We can rejoice in the fact that maybe he's given us some wisdom on occasions to be able to use. And maybe there's some times where he has guided us to pray over some other people. But he is empowering us to be partners in his mission to redeem the world. I'll tell you, I think we may be missing out when we don't ask the Holy Spirit to give us whatever he wants to give us because it's God and he's not weird 
He's good. The Holy Spirit's God. If you would stand with me, we're going to close out in prayer. And then we're going to take a little time to pray around. We'll have some elders and some ministers around to pray with. Uh, I would encourage you, if you've never asked the Holy Spirit to give you whatever gifts he wants to give you, ask him. He'll do right. The answer is, what can he do and what can he not do? He'll decide. He will give you what he wants for you to have, but we need to be open to that. So I would encourage you, if you've never done that, spend just a moment in prayer asking the Holy Spirit to give you what he would like for you to have. I'd also encourage you, pray over anything during this time. Pray with somebody next to you. Listen, hear. Maybe there's somebody that has been on your heart. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit's prompting for you to pray with somebody else. If you just have something that's broken your heart this week or something you want to celebrate, come and pray. Come and pray with one of us. Pray with one another. We just want this to be a time where we seek the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for your love. And Lord, we thank you that we don't understand exactly how you work all the time in every way. We thank you that your ways are higher than our ways. We thank you that, uh, that you're in charge of this and we're not. Lord, we ask that you would remove from us the burden of trying to make sure uh, we put lines around what you can and cannot do. And instead, Lord, we ask you, Give us whatever you would like for us to have. Whatever gifts, whatever drawing, whatever uh, purpose that you would have for us so that we can help build the, the church and help expand your kingdom. Lord, we ask this because we know that we can have faith in you and that we can trust you. And it's in the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father that we pray. Amen.